Blog Talk Radio. My name is Tom Marcusell, Presidente. Happy Leap Day to you. Uh, if it's your birthday, happy birthday, birthday, birthday. Or if it's your anniversary, hey, this is every so often you get to forget your anniversary, right? Well, welcome aboard. My name is Tom Marcusell, Presidente. This is The Balance. We do this thing called The Balance every Saturday morning. And you feel free to listen. You won't catch the coronavirus here. But if you want to have some Coronas with us, we'll, we'll go there. Uh, great show lined up today, uh, Mo from the B. We're going we're to play a little switcheroo. Uh, normally, Mo ends the show with us, but today he's going to start the show with us. When we talk in some March Madness and a little bit of the NFL Combine, and then also coming up, Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor from the BSVT up in South Bend, joins us. Some big news coming out of IndyCar. We're going to talk uh, about IndyCar uh, bracketology with uh, um, uh, Matthew Embry. So we're going to also get into some March Madness with Mo. But you know, hey, we just got to keep that theme going. And, and uh, Steve Wilson's uh, out today because uh well maybe he has the coronavirus or the everclear virus we're not sure actually he he's uh he he's just not feeling good so we just have to give him give him a pass uh ed kratz also was here in town in indianapolis this week and and you probably saw some of our posts on, on social media and and his social media as well with si.com our official nfl contributor and beat writer for the philadelphia eagles was in town we're going to do a complete recap of the NFL Combine, and what does that 45-degree uh, vertical really mean? <laughs> does it really mean anything? And then Tony D. from Tony Tanahu Podcast, so just, we're going to continue conversations leading into the March Madness world as that's coming right around and some more NASCAR talk. So all I can say is stick around. It's about to get good right here on the Balance Radio Network. Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, 
and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Right. No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Welcome back to the Ballast, 917-889-8516 is our time to kick things off. And uh, Mo uh, from the BS Sports Show, it, maybe because it's leap day, we're doing things a little bit different today. You're, you're starting the show instead of ending the show. So happy leap day to you, sir. Thank you. Uh, happy leap day to you, too. That means I won't have to uh, talk to you on this day for another four years. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I, you may have heard in my opening dialogue. Hey, if you're married, you get you get an excuse every three years to forget your anniversary. So, you know, maybe it's really bad luck to get married uh, married on the on the 29th. But we'll see. You know, I yeah, I know Ed Kratz is going to be joining us here in just uh, a little bit in the next hour to give. He's been here in town all week to give us a recap of the of the uh, NFL combine. So we don't want to steal a lot of his thunder, but let's talk a little bit about the NFL combine. And, and I kind of feel like that the NFL has just tried to make this more than what it is. It's a job interview. A lot of this stuff. I mean, there are stuff that's open to the public. I get that. And they kind of did a good job about this. And, and I, and I hope that they keep it here. Chances are they won't. I think everybody knows it's a foregone conclusion as much as we'd like to keep it. And here's the thing. I think NFL teams would like to keep it here. Uh, as you've been here in Indianapolis, it's cold. It's out here. And, but you, they never have to go outside, never have to rent a car. It's way more economical than moving it out to LA, but they're trying to make this more than what, than, than what it is, if you will. So what, what are your, what are your thoughts about the NFL combine? It's a very important function for the business model of the NFL. I get that. It's a job interview. It's, it's, it's analyzing your, your draft prospects. It's very, very important for the teams, but is the NFL trying to monetize something that isn't there? 
maybe that's the thought. Yeah, I think 100% because these guys are all going to come in for individual workouts with these teams and and more interviews. So this is pretty much just a place for all these teams, I guess, to see everybody that's invited as opposed to just the guys they want to bring in. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, I think at this point it, it's monetized because you have the 40-yard dash, you know, those sponsors that you could have won uh, stuff if you're the fastest guy wearing certain shoes. So uh, it's televised the entire time. But let's be honest. It's quite boring unless you're looking to see a couple of guys, and most of the top guys don't work out anyway. So, uh, you know, it, it's interesting if you're jonesing for football, but I think, you know, overall it's, it's a pretty boring process unless they start televising the interviews. Yeah, in which they're not. And, and, and a very important part of the combine is the medical part of it, and that's a very much behind-the-scenes issue. And, and that's one of the biggest things that, that, uh, that teams are looking at you know, is this person medically uh, and, and and mentally fit to to play on my team? There's a lot of different factors, but it's a big, big job interview. That's what it is. But we look at things that they they try to make a big issue. Of course, Burrow was just kind of well. He's he got the white boy syndrome slapped up against his face. He's got the nine inch uh, nine inch hands. He's, he needs to retire. He was making some jokes with that, but but the, that's the thing. We're, we we look at how fast they run the 40-yard 40, uh, 40 dash. We look at their hand size. We look at their vertical. You know, you, you talk about um, um, Zion. He had a 45-degree vertical. Man, he'd be one badass tied in in the NFL. How important is that, one, to the fan, and two, how important is that knowledge to the team when they're trying to decide who they're going to draft? I mean, vertical to me is important if you're a guy who's a wide receiver or a cornerback, maybe a linebacker. But other than that, and the same with the 40-yard dash, it's great that you can run fast for 40 yards straight, but how often is that really happening in the NFL? Let's be honest. You know, I'd rather see how fast you can run for 15 yards and cut or how fast is your uh, your speed at 20 yards. Because very rarely you run just 40 yards straight down a field. So it, it to me, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, we've seen – we've only talked about hand size really in the last, you know, few years, but we've seen guys who've had what have been said to be small hands play pretty well, especially at quarterback. So, I don't know. I mean, have you ever measured your hands? Do you know what size they are? I have no clue what size my hands are. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> I always lie about my hand size, man. I mean, you know, who doesn't? What guy doesn't? Uh, we always lie about our hand size. But, but it, you know, it, it is just amazing how, how we get get it, get into those – those conversations. So we'll, we'll get into more of that later on. But what, what, what are some of your takeaways uh, from the combine? We'll get into some more of this with Ed Kratz. But what, what are some of your, your, your takeaways? Because we look at we look at Love, for example, quarterback uh, prospect possibly for the Colts. He didn't have a good he didn't have a good showing uh, at the combine. Does that mean that the Colts turn their back on him? No. But does that hurt his draft standing? Maybe. I don't know. But when how important is the combine to this draft uh, standing, if you will? Because Tua didn't work out hardly at all, but we know he's going to be way up there. But I think a lot of people wonder about Tua. So, so what are your thoughts? How how important is the combine to the uh, the standing of 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 of, uh, of being drafted? I don't think it's as important as it used to be anymore. Again, all these teams bring these guys in that they like for private workouts. I mean, if you're a quarterback, you're working with a guy you have no chemistry with whatsoever at wide receiver. So, I mean, to me, 
it's more I'd rather see what you can do in the individual workouts, uh, you know, when you've gone over the playbook a little bit. So, again, I think, like you said earlier, it's all show. I don't think it really helps or hurts your draft stock unless you bomb the interview or get yourself arrested while you're here or kicked out of the hotel, which we saw some guys do uh, from all this a few years back. So I think it's more about to see how you act by yourself on a professional level, uh, and then you worry about the other stuff later. Well, we would be amiss if we did not talk about Tom Brady since we're in Dan Brady Watch. Some news coming out this week out of the Combine uh, that that Brady's open to uh, free agency. I mean, does the the Patriots let him go? Uh, You would think that they would have something solidified by now if they weren't. So maybe they are going to go ahead and let him uh, go into free agency. So that brings up some questions, and there are questions, and people know this for a fact. They've been talking with the Colts, amongst a few other teams, obviously. Uh, Tom Brady can probably go anywhere that he wants to go and where his, his talent might be most utilized. I think what we got to get out of the concept of thinking, well, just because Tom Brady comes to my team doesn't mean we're going to the Super Bowl. doesn't mean we're going to the playoffs. So if you're Tom Brady – how do you go about choosing the best team? And I, from what I'm understanding, he's kind of liking the, the Titans, so he would at least be in our division. Uh, and so that, again, uh, everything is, is pointing in the direction that Philip Rivers comes to Indianapolis. So when we look at Rivers and Brady's, what are your thoughts? Oh, you know, I, I think I've told you this before. I, I don't like uh, the, the decline that Philip Rivers saw this year versus last year. I think his decision-making was a lot worse. Uh, obviously, some of the arm strength is gone. Uh, a ton of interceptions here. Uh, I just – I'm not uh, I'm not happy uh, if I'm a Colts fan with, with Philip Rivers at this point, uh, unless there's something that they saw that, uh, that was missing last year. Uh, you know, Tom Brady, I think that what fans look at is the fact that he's been successful with very few skill position players uh, over his career. Uh, but I think at this point it's going to be what's important to Tom. Is it getting that uh, next Super Bowl? Uh, is it part ownership in a team, which the Dolphins have reportedly offered to him? Uh, is it being reunited with a coach or who used to be a player with him that he's familiar with? Uh, you know, you would think Indianapolis would make sense. You play uh, indoors eight times a year. You play uh, in Florida. You play, you know, in, in Nashville. Uh, so is it about, uh, you know, being comfortable throwing the football? It's going to be at this point what's important to Tom. He he pretty much can write his own tickets, I think, at this point anywhere. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I totally agree with that. We're talking with Mo from the BS Sports Show. Mo, it's that time of year. We love this time of year. We're getting ready for March Madness. We're going to have our bracket. We're going to have our, our, our balance bracket when all the brackets come out. So if you do want to get – and we'll get that up on social media, but if you do want a bracket – uh, please uh, direct messages at T-Balance or on Facebook, and we'll get you a, a bracket out. Uh, Mo, I know you're always good with playing with this, but here, here's kind of – let's just – I mean, there's a lot of teams to talk about, so we still got some time to digest this. But uh, let's talk a little bit just about some bubble teams. Uh, uh, let's, let's, let's play the homer card right now. Indiana got beat by Purdue um, earlier this week. Uh, they were on a run. I still think they've distanced themselves from the bubble, but the key is this time of year, especially if you're IU, you still have to win ball games. And I was very disappointed with what I saw with Indiana uh, 
And then you also saw what happened with Michigan. Michigan gets beat by Wisconsin. So there's a lot of shake and bacon going up on in the Big Ten right now. Uh, but when we talk about these bubble teams, but uh, when we look at the, the IU team playing the home card real quick, and we'll get into some of this, these other teams here, uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts? What's, what's going on with Archie Miller and, and the Hoosiers? Why, Archie's never beat the Purdue Boilermakers, ever. As, a, as an IU coach, I should say. Uh, well, what, what's going on with know, I, I think the perfect I think I think the perfect storm happened in the last week. I, I know, uh, you know, maybe two or three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I told you that if I'm if I'm IU, I'm uh, praying that uh, that things fall apart between the Cavaliers and John Beeline, and well, they have. So I think at this point, if I'm IU, uh, you know, if things continue to go downhill and they miss the NCAA tournament again. I've already put a call in John Beeline if I'm in the end at this point. Uh, these these kids just – I don't know if it's the coaching. I don't know if it's the wrong recruits. I don't know what it is for Archie Miller at this point. But, you know, I even can play a great game like I did against Penn State and then fall apart against a team they should beat, like a Michigan or a Purdue. Uh, it's these bad losses to bad teams that I think will wind up keeping uh, Indiana out of the uh, NCAA tournament. You know, they've had some decent quality wins, but – they continue to struggle mightily uh, against bad teams. You know, Michigan, while they do have racked up a few losses, uh, you know, early on in the year, they they beat top quality teams in the uh, in the very early part of the season in some of these tournaments. So, uh, I don't think I think things are looking bad for Indiana at this point. I think it's going to take another quality win and, and beat some of these teams. Uh, you know, at this point that they should beat. So, uh, again, if I'm if I'm the uh, athletic director in Indiana. Uh, or the president, whoever's making the decision this time, since Fred Glass is on his way out, I've already made a, a call to John Beeline and, and getting ready to, to, you know, back up a uh, Brinks truck to his house to get him to come coach the Indiana Hoosiers. Well, <laughs> that might be what you have to do. We'll see what happens. Well, let's kind of, you know, obviously Indianapolis is is known uh, for its its head NCAA is headquartered here. We, we're very well known. Uh, for college uh, sports uh, venues. So Indianapolis is one of uh, four uh, uh, brackets, if you will, to to uh, begin the bracketology. So let's start with Indianapolis, and uh, we'll try to get through a couple. I, I'm just kind of filling in these brackets as I see them now. It's, it's just kind of as, 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 I, as I would. Obviously, I'm not on the committee. A lot of things can, can change. We're still a couple weeks away. But let's start with Indianapolis. I got Kansas. As the number one seed, then you got that play-in uh, that spot there in the in the sixteen, and so it's very rare that a sixteen seed is going to uh, upseed a, a number one, especially a number one like Kansas. So that would be a, br- a bracket buster. But I look at Prairie View uh, being there in that sixteen seed against the number one Kansas, and then Houston against Virginia, Iowa. Um, I'm, I'm still torn between Mississippi State and Providence there, Louisville, Vermont, Ohio State, and Rhode Island. That's kind of as far as I've gotten. It takes us through, through the 11th seed uh, here in Indianapolis. Uh, how does that look out, out to you? What are your thoughts? Well, I, I think at this point, uh, with the big win Kansas had last week against number one Baylor, uh, you know, I don't think they run any risk of losing uh, to a 16 seed. And, and to me, when you look at a bracket like that, I mean, Louisville is able to to maybe throw a monkey wrench in the stuff, but they're not as good as they've been in past years. Uh, I mean, that seems to me like a, a cakewalk for Kansas at this point. So let's uh, talk about the – you know, let me clarify what I what I was saying here. I meant the final 
uh, brackets to get to the Final Four. Obviously, you've got Omaha, Cleveland, Albany, Greensboro, Sacramento, St. Louis, Tampa, all of those teams. So what I meant by the four brackets, the ones to get us to the Final Four, just for the clarification on that. So let's go over to the let's go over to the East there with in the what I call the Houston bracket. Uh, Baylor being number one, and then we still got that 16 playing seed. I like St. Francis, PA there. I, I don't know. It's just uh, I, I think that's a good spot for them. And then you have Florida. And then let's, let's pray. Let's pray to the gods that the Hoosiers get into it. I think they'll be a number nine, uh, a nine seed over there uh, going against Florida, which is going to be a good matchup for them to, to move on. And then Arizona and Liberty takes us through the 12 seed. Uh, Liberty being the 12 seed there over in what I call the Houston bracket, which would be the the right side of your bracket or the east. I mean, what would concern me at this point is Baylor's lack of, of playing in big-time games. Uh, I think they can easily take down the earlier seeds, but what concerned me at, at some point would be, uh, you know, Baylor's lack of experience in these big-time NCAA March Madness games. Other than that, I mean, they've been a quality team all year long other than that loss to Kansas. I mean, there's no reason to think they can't move on. Uh, but as we see every year, you know, we see number one seed don't really make an exit in the uh, in the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. So Baylor's the only thing that, that concerns me again is their their lack of experience in these big games. That's that's the only thing that concerns me about the Baylor Bears. I like Baylor. I have to admit, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride that that bear train for a, a little bit this year, and and I I I may even on of course I do a a bunch of brackets so I can never lose. Uh, but I, I think I, I'm going to, I got Baylor going to final four. It's, I, we'll see what happens. Let's go back over to the West for the New York city bracket, which doesn't make sense geographically, but trust me on this. I, when I, when I say this, it's actually the West Sacramento, uh, but yes, San Diego state, Eastern Washington, Arizona. I look at Texas tech, Auburn and Cincinnati uh, to be the, the 12th seed there uh, over in, in the West bracket. You know, I have uh, friends who are graduates of the San Diego State Aztecs. Uh, you know, they've been pretty damn good. The last undefeated team uh, in college basketball. They're another team, though, that if you look at it lately, has been uh, a team that doesn't have a ton of experience when it comes to big playoff games. But it's a gritty basketball team. They do so many things right. They're a good defensive team. Uh, they pass the ball a lot. They, uh, they're good three-point shooters. And they knock down a pretty high free throw percentage. I like the San Diego State Aztecs. Even though they're going to be a high seed and probably the number one seed, I, I like them to kind of be that uh, that lower end team that we don't know a ton about because they play on the West Coast or a smaller school in San Diego. But I really like them uh, to kind of uh, you know maybe upset some of the blue bloods in college basketball as we get into a Final Four. So now let's go over to the East, which is actually the Los Angeles uh, bracket, which is actually the West. So isn't that kind of funny? The, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the West bracket ends in New York City. The East bracket ends in Los Angeles. But it, it is what it is. We've got Gonzaga, obviously going to be a number one. I like South Dakota State here. And here's up my bracket buster alert right here. South Dakota State beats uh, Gonzaga. Again, providing that my seeds are right, I could be totally off on my seeds here. Again, this is just me uh, on, a, on a scrap piece of paper uh, while I'm doodling at work trying to figure things out. But I think uh, South Dakota State is a prime team to be your Cinderella team this year. That's my first call for Cinderella. Then you get LSU, USC, Wisconsin, Yale, Oregon, and then the New Mexico State being the 13th seed 
there as well. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, you've got uh, a couple of teams in that uh, in that bracket that have a lot of tournament experience. You know, Gonzaga, to me, they're no longer the Cinderella or the little guy. They're, they're a force now in college basketball. Uh, you know, they're a team that, uh, that can easily get back to the Final Four and win an NCAA championship. Wisconsin, too, man, when it comes tournament time, they're, the Badgers are always a tough out. You know, they had that string of Final Fours a few years ago. So it's, if the brackets shape up like that, that one to me is a scary bracket because you have teams that excel when it comes tournament time, and I would not want to be in the East bracket in the West. And the, this is what happens when you legalize <laughs> marijuana, Tom. <laughs> crazy crap starts happening. Crazy, crazy stuff starts happening. Talking with Mo from the BS Sports Show. Uh, Mo, let's kind of just uh, uh, walk around uh, the world of sports. Uh, MLB is in uh, spring training uh, at its best. Uh, uh, I've heard, and uh, I, I, I've not been there, obviously, but I've heard that the Houston Astros uh, have a section, uh, what they call the garbage can section. <laughs> what, are, what are our <laughs> thoughts on those? About the Houston, I did seriously hear that I saw on Twitter or something where there was a group of uh, I don't know if they're fans of Houston or just thought it would be funny to do. We're out there banging on, on garbage cans, but we look at Houston Astros. Obviously, they're going to be the biggest story uh, this year going into the to the season. Um, let's look at our teams: the Cardinals, the the Cubs, uh, the Reds. Those are our regional teams that we have here as we break as they break camp there obviously my cardinals were out in jupiter florida uh and uh, your cubs are out in arizona but as we look early on into the season in the time to pick a, a world series prediction cardinals going to the world series duh duh <laughs> well and it's uh it's, it's hard to pick against the los angeles dodgers at this point uh you know they've they've really loaded up uh you know i like the yankees but uh, you know, losing Luis Severiano uh, to Tommy John surgery, I think for them was a big blow. Uh, but you could see them make a move to pick up another starting pitcher. Uh, you know, those two teams just seem so loaded, it's hard to really pick against them. You know, I, I think you and I both have teams that are kind of in, in a state of flux. They're trying to, to figure things out a little bit. Uh, you know, is there? I know, I know the St. Louis Cardinals have been interested in talking to the Cubs about Chris Bryant. Uh, and as a Cubs fan, the thought of, uh, you know, moving your MVP uh, and, and an all-star like that uh, is troubling. Uh, you know, you, you lose Joe Madden. You've got David Ross, who comes on the broadcast booth into the uh, managerial role. But he's a guy that, you know, 90% of the team is familiar with. I think the, the cheating allegations that, you know, want to come true against Houston will help reinvigorate you. Darvish, he kind of got some vindication there that he wasn't tipping his pitches, and maybe the comments will be back for uh, the Cubs for a guy like you, Darvish. You know, the Reds have really done quietly under the radar, have really added some talent. And, uh, you know, they could be much better this year than, than we have seen in past years. They're a team that's quietly over the last few years, uh, you know, picked up some assets. So we'll see uh, in, in the Central what, uh, what happens there. The Central could be a pretty tough division uh, overall in the National League. But, you know, the two teams have spent a bunch of money, and, and, and the Dodgers and the, uh, and the Yankees, it's hard to pick against them at this point. Well, one final uh, thoughts here before we wrap it up, put a bow on it uh, for you. The National Football League and the in the NFL uh, Players Association or the NPA are uh, expecting to, to get a salary cap around somewhere around 200 million for the 2020 season, uh, just ahead of the final vote to ratify to ratify the final collective bargaining agreement 
Overall, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, who are the winners? Who are the losers? It sounds like it's going to be a takeaway of, uh, of about uh, 48 to 52%, somewhere around in there. Uh, that's getting closer to the middle that I think that the players would like. Obviously, the players feel like uh, that they're entitled to more money than the owners, and the owners were like, um, I own the damn team. So that's not going to happen. But they're at least trying to get closer to that, obviously, with some of these new uh, TV uh, deals coming together. There's a lot of revenue that's on the table uh, there. Well, overall, what, let's let's try to sum it up or dumb it down for those uh, uh, fans that's like, they already get enough money. Why? Why is this an important issue? Why is the NPA uh, and why is the uh, the the CBA? Why is all of that something that we're talking about? Because we don't want to see them screw it up like they have in the past and have a work stoppage for the NFL. Uh, so you know, <clears throat> I think these guys need to realize that it turns fans off to see millionaires squabbling with billionaires. Uh, so I think it needs to be something that's done, uh, done quickly, where everybody's happy. And we don't have to worry about it again for another 10 years. Uh, you know, we remember last year or last time when, you know, things got screwed up and there was a work stoppage. It didn't affect the season, uh, <clears throat> but it did affect uh, some offseason stuff and some training camps. Uh, so if the NFL needs to be smart and learn from the past mistakes of baseball, uh, how it went from being the national pastime to probably a third place at this point behind uh, the NBA and, and not screw us up and have a work stoppage. That's the worst thing that could happen for the NFL. The, the thing that will quickly stop this cash cow is if they have a work stoppage and, and some football games are missed. So uh, they need to figure it out. Fans don't care at this point. Again, who gets more money? They just want to see football in the field. 17 games, thumbs up or thumbs down? I'm all for it. I'm all for it. You can tell me more football, not good. I don't think more football any day. But are they going to front load that into the, the preseason? Or is this actual 17 regular season games? I think you drop a, a preseason game, maybe two, and then you get a, you'll see every team with a second bye week, which I think at the end of the day would help teams. You know, if, if your team could have a bye week, you know, in week 14 and later on in the season to, to heal some guys up, I think that's a, a win-win for everybody. Uh, you know, you granted, you do play the extra game, but you, you, you also get a second bye week. Uh, you know, I know when you, you're one of those teams that has an early one in, in five or six, well, at the end of the season, you would have been praying to be one of those teams that has a bye week later, later on. So I think a second bye week helps everybody. Mo from the BS Sports Show, thank you so much for jumping on uh, first thing in the morning uh, with us and, and helping us uh, begin to uh, begin our sports digestion uh, for, for the week. Uh, uh, any words of wisdom and where can people find your work in Masterpiece of Search? You can find my work on Twitter at Mo Radio Show, but <laughs> as I got married yesterday, if I do get divorced, I only have half of my Twitter account. So look at it now while you can before I lose it. <laughs> I didn't know you got married yesterday. Congratulations, my friend. Yeah. Congrats. Well, you know, if yeah, you had gotten that's married, happens, to, Tom. if you moved to marijuana, you start doing dumb things. <laughs> See, if you if you had gotten married today, you would you would only had to remember your anniversary every three years, man. Congrats. <laughs> Trust me, I, I pushed for that, Tom. I pushed and pushed and pushed for that. <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon. See you later. Thanks, man. 
Mo from the BS Sports Show joining us. I did not know that he got married last night. I would have probably had him not come on today. There's dedication for you. Uh, I appreciate him joining us and helping us to kind of uh, break down a little bit about the NFL combine as we get into this, this conversation about uh, March Madness. Speaking of March Madness, we got Matthew Embry uh, joining us with his annual bracketology for IndyCar, that is. And he's also kind of filling in for Steve Wilson, who's underneath the weather today, to help us uh, talk a little bit of NASCAR. My name is Tom Marcus. Presidente, we'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Hey, say my boy, they all be jacking. Keep up, players only. Come on, put your tickets, bring them to the moon. Girls, what y'all trying to do? 24 carats, magic in the The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 404 with a barber shark quartet. Bum, 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 bum. Pass the ball. Pass the ball. Pass the ball. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Shoot. 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 Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Good morning, face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got me. Ow, that went in my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. minutes off the clock. Thanks to Mo for the BS Sports Show. Normally, typically ends the show with us, but started the show with us, and uh, typically we move into our NASCAR segment, which we are going to do, but we've got the guy that normally starts the show with us today. See, that's what happens on Leap Day, man. That's what happens on Leap Day. Matthew Embry from WSBT joins to talk to IndyCar and NASCAR. Maybe we'll get your thoughts on some March Madness uh, as well. So a lot, of ta- a lot to talk about, but happy Leap Day to you, sir. 
funny how the people in Nagadoshes, Texas, now love me. <laughs> Dude, and, and, and they love you, why? You see the tweet that I said? This is the tweet for me on Wednesday. What should I want to see the NCAA committee do? Keep teams like Purdue and Indiana who are backing into the tournament out and reward teams like, hey, Liberty, East Tennessee State, and the aforementioned Stephen F. They don't win their conference tournament. More deserving than those two. And now all the fans and Stephen F. Boston Lumberjacks love me. Of course. Of course. Man, I tell you what, what a disappointing uh, game. And we'll get into more of this uh, March Madness talk here uh, at the end of the segment as, as we as we get into this uh, uh, talk. But, uh, yeah, what a disappointing loss it was, IU, uh, was uh, to Purdue. I, I don't think Notre Dame is going to be anywhere but the NIT, but we'll get into that as well. But we've got some uh, really big news to talk about in the funny car season. Funny season as we get geared up to kick off the uh, 2020 season of IndyCar. We know that that the, one of the biggest news is that, that came out this week is Fernando Alonso is coming back to the Indianapolis 500. Yeah, back with McLaren, and uh, be very curious to see how he meshes with two rookies. Almost essentially the same thing like with Carlin last year, but obviously a much better team. And I think McLaren is. Not, you know, front and center. I think they're letting Schmidt-Peterson use their expertise and obviously Craig Hampson for the input, who's had success before multiple uh, Champ Car World Championships as well under his belt under with Sebastian Bourdais, who there still is rumors they could run a fourth car for him, although I don't see that happening. But uh, I think a lot better situation, as I will say in uh, the Gritology list, uh, for now, it's a good situation, but uh, I wouldn't say uh, a comfortable situation yet for Alonzo. But I highly doubt with the makeup of the field near the back and the unknowns there that uh, there's a scenario where he fails to qualify for the second year in a row. Yeah, and I tell you what, it's good. It's 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 kind of like uh, it's kind of like going on date night with uh, a woman you really don't like very much, and that's the, the situation with McLaren. But that's the situation when you when with Honda and it's kind of a a forced situation. But let's 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 put all that aside. If uh, Fernando Alonso has a great showing with McLaren at the Indianapolis 500, does that go a long way for uh, uh, let's say kissing and making up between the two of them? rumors about them possibly maybe doing the IndyCar Grand Prix if not a few more races beyond that but I don't think it's going to be a full-time deal or anything because you know he's getting up there in age and he wants to continue to broaden his horizons and try other things in fact uh, he keeps talking about wanting to try the Daytona 500 someday so uh, I don't think it's going to lead to necessarily a full-time ride but I'd say maybe you know a part-time slate of IndyCar races on a regular basis I, I could see that happening. Matthew Embry, WSVT, up at South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor. Before we get into your annual uh, gratitology that you do for us every year, uh, pick it to to Ray Hall. What what are, what are your thoughts on that? Good move, bad move? Uh, what's that mean for the team? What's that mean for the fans? Well, isn't it surprising it took this long for a front row star in last year's race to find a ride? I mean, that's the scary thing about this. But again, it says. You have to have personal sponsorship in this day and age. Pickett didn't have it, and because of that, uh, he had to wait for uh, Citroen and Buell to put uh, a little bit more money into the kitty to be able to get him this deal. And uh, 
But, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. The good news is Pickett's got a ride. The bad news is I think it pretty much closes the door on Tipper Mann's chances to find a ride. Uh, I think this is the last chance for her to find a seat, and unfortunately uh, there will not be a woman driver, I'm afraid, uh, on the entry list for this year's Indy 500. Yeah, and I think you're right about that. I, I saw a couple tweets about her, but uh, from her this week, and, and I know she's still actively trying to, and one of her tweets said something to the effect of, uh, uh, we're still out there, we're, we're, we'll be there, don't worry. So maybe that's kind of a little bit, bit of a tease, but I don't know where that where that's going to be at. Matthew Embry, it is that time of the year that you do every year for us. It is your annual bracketology as we go into March Madness for IndyCar. So without further ado... This in Matthew Embry, take it away. The mic, the floor, everything is all yours, sir. Now, I should mention a few disclaimers on this. This is my personal opinion on these. Uh, Thomas or no one else had these views. I go by several because of that, although I know a lot of people don't like it. And it's got nothing to do with Penske owning the Speedway now, but Penske cars, I think, have a chance to sweep the front row potentially for the first time since 1988. Uh, my first uh, overall number one projected pole sitter is Will Power, Simon Pagano in position two, Joseph Newgarden in position three. Then the second row, I think you could say that's an Ed Carpenter row with the boss in position four, Connor Daly in position six, and then I'd say the best chance for a Honda to get up there, obviously Alexander Rossi, who has the aggression to do it, pushed it to Andretti Osport and Honda provide him the car. I put him currently at P5. And then the revelation of last year, Colton Herta, I have at seven. Dixon, Scott Dixon, of course, has to be up there at eight. And the aggressive Takuba Sato at nine. Then you look further down the list, uh, you got guys like Marco Andretti, uh, Ferrucci, the rookie of the year last year on row four, Elio in row four. Uh, Ryan hunter Ray, not known as a qualifier. I have him down at 13, which may still be a little bit high. I have TK at row five. Uh, my first rookie uh, is Renus BK at 14, and that's got a lot to do with the fact that he's driving an Ed Carpenter car. I would not be surprised if he could somehow make it to the top nine, but as a rookie, you know, limited information to go on. I'm keeping him in row five for now. Uh, Hinch, I have at 17. Let's see here. Rosenquist, I have a bump up to 16. First of the McLaren Schmidt Pearson car, they have Askew at 20. Charlie Kimball at 21. Alex Palouse, another interesting little factor that could be up. I currently have him at 22. I have Fernando Lalonzo at 23. Sage Karen's the first of the D. Dryer and Reinbull cars at 25. Piggott at 26. And then right now, my last four in at this point uh, Jared Hildebrand at 30. Ben Hanley at 31. Max Chilton at 32. And Dalton Kellett at 33 in the third point entry. And I had the projected second Carlin ride with Philippe Nasser and the projected Hooncoast ride with Kyle Kaiser currently out. I just think those two drivers, they don't have the car. And in Nasser's case, no oval experience. I think that's really going to hurt his chances. And uh, I have those two guys out at the moment. But uh, a lot of things could change. And uh, be very curious to see how Carlin bounces back from last year's three. Uh, I even say to have, have a third for Sergio Sente Camara. I also have questions whether or not I put him in at this point. But, again, I think Carlin's going to have a lot of work to do. I mean, the highest I have right now is 32 on my list. So, if there's a team that certainly needs to prove something to me, I think 
Carlin Racing certainly has a lot to prove looking into this month of May. Matthew Embry with his annual bracketology for the Indianapolis 500. And it's certainly uh, just a a little promo uh, that you you can look forward to our annual special uh, IndyCar, Indy 500 special called the Fields of 33. We do every year on the Saturday before the Indianapolis 500, and we'll break down all 33 cars and how they come together. So big news this also not necessarily this week, but just this year. What we know is as it's happened with the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and Penske, there's going to be unlimited amount of time within reason that you can go out there and qualify as many times as you want. So you are going to see some a real bump day this year. Uh that's exciting for fans, Matthew. Yeah, 75 minute session for that, and uh, that should make things interesting. Uh, just hope it doesn't end uh, with accidents and possible injuries and guys pushing too hard. But uh, it should be a very interesting final session to, to see who gets those last three spots in the field as part of that last row party uh, the week before the race. Well, certainly this is uh, would be a, a great year to have the late great Tom Carney alive. Now everybody loves to hear that sound on no track record, and that's probably what we're going to hear multiple times. Uh, obviously, from Dave Calabrol and uh, others there, and, and Kevin Lee and others who are out at the track. And I love being out there. I know you hang out there with us as well. It's one of our highlights of the year. It's like Christmas for us, and that's for sure. Let's move on over to NASCAR. Thank you uh, for filling in for Steve with us today. Uh, they're at the Auto Club out in California. That's Jimmy Johnson's uh, home track, and this is his uh, farewell tour. So let's start with Jimmy Johnson, the career of Jimmy Johnson, and what the impact this race means to him. Well, obviously, it's the place where he won his first race uh, in 2002, so obviously it has some uh, sentimental value. But uh, I'd say right now he needs to get his act together because he's been disappointing and somewhat off the radar the first two races. I think if you're looking for a guy in the Hendrick camp that's a challenger this weekend, uh, based on the practice times, uh, Alex Bowman was fastest in practice one and two yesterday. He's probably the favorite to win the poll today. So uh, if you're looking for a candidate possibly to win his second career race to go along with his win last year at Chicagoland, uh, Alex Bowman's name uh, certainly is high on the list at this point. Right. You know, let's talk a little bit about Ryan Newman. It's so very thankful that he survived that horrific accident out in Daytona. No clear timeline of when he's going to get back in the race car. Seems to be walking around and talking, and he was back at the shop this week, and uh I mean, I think there was a head injury. They haven't really disclosed what all that was. Maybe it was a concussion, but he's being treated for that. So there's a, some time that, that has to go before he gets back in the car. Uh, but certainly a, a great feel-good story of what, what could have happened and, you know, how thankful uh, was that for Ryan Newman? Well, for head injuries, thankfully uh... – we weren't talking like what we had uh, with Darlington in 90 with Neil Bonnet or uh, obviously Pocono in 88 with Bobby Allison where amnesia comes in and to the point where Bobby Allison still doesn't remember most of the things from his history, even in his late age. I mean, he's had that issue for years and Bobby and Neil Bonnet had injuries that kept him out for three years. And then of course, unfortunately he had the fatal crash at Daytona in 94, but uh, yeah, I'd say based on that, uh, I think we need to be in with a word of caution here before we're, you know, hustling Ryan Newman back into a race car. 
uh, just make sure everything clears up and everything's positive on that scenario before he gets behind the wheel, not just for his safety, but for the safety of the other drivers that are going to be racing around him. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny you brought that up uh, as far as the Daytona death back in 1994. I was watching uh, while we were on a rain delay with that. I was watching a, a special about that on, on, on Fox uh, Sports. It is the Xfinity race today, uh, obviously out in, in um, Fontana, California, the Auto Club. You know, it, it's just me. It's just my brain. But when I think the Auto Club, I think of that track up in Wisconsin. I don't know why I always go there with my brain. As soon as I hear the, the Auto Club, I think about the, that track up in in uh, in, in Wisconsin. Uh, but uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the Xfinity Series. Uh, Chase Briscoe. Well, Chase Briscoe, Noah Gregson, Harrison Burton, uh, Michael Annette, Brandon Jones. Austin Cedric, Ryan Seg, uh, Justin Haley, and Justin Algar, and Brandon Brown rounding out the top ten standing as we go into this week's uh, Xfinity race this afternoon at 4 o'clock. Well, if you're looking for candidates for the future, I'd say, you know, cup rides. I'd say Austin Cedric is on the list, not just because he's the son of Tim Cedric, who's the general manager of Team Penske, but I think he's shown the most potential uh, you look at some of these other guys that have been career Xfinity drivers, uh, Ryan Sieg, uh, I don't see him going anywhere. Uh, Brandon Brown, I still think is raw. Uh, Justin Allgaier, Michael Annette have had their turns at cup racing. They're kind of, I think, stuck at the Xfinity level probably for the rest of the way. Uh, Noah Gregson uh, could be the future possibility. I mean, a lot of people have been dubbing him as another future potential cup prospect, but I haven't seen it yet, to be honest with you. So I think you look at the situations, uh, Briscoe, another guy that the Ford camp, uh, possibly maybe a future Ross Fenway driver. But uh, I'd say of those guys right now in the top 10 of the championship, if you're looking for a future for on, uh, Cindric would be the one on the, my, at the top of my list at this point. We're talking with Matthew Embry of WSBT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor, also helping us uh, fill in uh, for the uh, NASCAR uh, segment. We're going to get into some March Madness here in just a minute, but let's talk a little bit about the Cup qualifying today. Uh, we talked about Jimmy Johnson. He, it would be great for him to have a, a, a great starting position. Uh, but uh, as we look at the qualifying today and we look at the standings uh, for the, the NASCAR Cup uh, series or the um, Ryan Blaney, Joey Logano, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Larson, Ricky Steinhouse, Chase Elliott, Austin Dillon, uh, Chris Boucher, Denny Hamlin, and Matthew Dedebeto, Dedebeto, uh round out the top ten as we go into qualifying today. Now, keep in mind, even though Hamlin's ninth, he already has a win, so he's already advanced into the chase for the championship already, so he's already secured there as was the man, Joey Logano, that won in Las Vegas. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if one of those two wins, but I'd say, again, uh, if you're looking for someone to add their name to the list, I'd say Blaney's a decent possibility. And uh, like I said, if he could back up what he did in practice and over uh, you know, a fuel stint, I'd say Ryan, Alex Bowman, uh, excuse me, would be the other one that I'd be saying for. As much as I'd like to see Jimmy Johnson uh, close out his account at Auto Club Speedway with a win, uh, I just don't see it happening uh, with his performances recently in the last several events and over the course of the last year. 
You know, let's talk about Fontana. Fontana, California is, it's a, well, depending on traffic in L.A., anywhere between an hour and three-hour drive from uh, L.A., it is a, is it a, it's a track that's got uh, kind of different terrains and different climates, if you will, within the track. And so what happens with that, you're going to see, for example, in qualifying today, you're going to see a much hotter track than what you're going to see in the race today, in multiple de- degrees difference as far as that goes. So it's kind of a, a, a combination of desert and mountain uh, climates together. That It's also a very fast track, a very wide track. So you're going to see, at times, you're going to see four wide racing. This is going to be a fast track, and because of the way that temperatures and the climates, it's almost like it's in two different climates out there in California. This is going to be really hard on crew chiefs and tires. And we're going to, again, we're going to be seeing these restarts that could end up in melee because they're going to go four wide in these, in these restarts out at Fontana. And unlike Michigan, where the track temperature and the grip's a little more consistent, plus the extra banking, it's going to be it's going to be a lot tougher to maintain the three and four wide running. So I think you're going to see handling become much more of a factor as opposed to say at Michigan, and uh, I'd say it's going to calm down really quickly. Otherwise, like you said, uh, we could be talking a lot of yellows uh, today with guys just being too brave. Uh, a lot of the last IndyCar race we had there uh, a few years ago, the track just uh, even though yeah it's got the whip, it just doesn't have the grip because of all the excessive heat to allow for consistent three and four wide racing. We're talking with uh, Matthew Embry, WSPT up at South Bend, uh, our official IndyCar contributor. Thank you, Matthew, for giving us your annual uh, Indy 500 grid ontology. We're looking forward to the Indianapolis 500. Uh, it's, it's the highlight of our year, Christmas, if you will, and also filling in, of course, for the NASCAR. But we know that, hey, uh, you're also a, a, a college. You're kind of a man of all hats, a jack of all trades. You're our Swiss Army knife. So we are beginning our conversation uh, about uh, March Madness. Can't wait for the March Madness bracket. We'll also uh, get this up when we have the brackets available. But if you want a bracket, uh, direct messages on Twitter. We'll get one out to you, Matthew, as well, uh, and uh, or social media on Facebook. And let us know, and we'll get you in a a bracket, if you will, uh, out there for you. You can do a maximum of two brackets as free, and it's just for bragging rights. Uh, but um, I fill out a lot of brackets. Some of them are paid, some of them aren't. But I'm, I'm bound, I'm bound to to win something. So <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit. Let's let's walk through this a little bit. We'll start over in the West, uh, which actually starts in the East. I mean, the, the, it's backwards. We're New York City, Los Angeles, whatever. But so we'll start out in the Los Angeles bracket. I call it the West bracket, but it starts out in Spokane. But it's going to be on the east side of your bracket there. <laughs> I'm looking at this as a, as a Cinderella team. I was just talking to Mo about this. Gonzaga obviously going to be the number one seed. So you look at who goes in there to play uh, Gonzaga. Now, I think we're going to see a – Cinderella develop in the first round, and we we see bracket busters every year. Bracket buster alert! And my first bracket buster uh, alert predict uh, Lunar's list. Or are you going with Jerry Palm's list? I'm going with Tom's list. <laughs> okay. Just making sure. There, there might be a combination there. thereof. Obviously, obviously, there's a wealth of knowledge out there when you're doing doing your research. But I like Gonzaga being the number one out there. But South Dakota State, I like. And if you want to dig deep, 
for another Leola or another Cinderella team to go deep into the to the bracket. I like South Dakota State. I might be eating crow here, and I might be the first one to say, hey, well, you know what? I was wrong. But I think South Dakota State is our first bracket buster against Gonzaga. South Dakota State has had their chances, and they haven't been able to pocket them. And this Jackrabbit team is not the strong team that it was as far as sharpshooting a few years ago. So I don't like their chances. Uh, I think, for instance, Lenardi has them against Dayton, even though Dayton, you know, a marginal two, maybe a one, but question marks about just how good this Dayton team really is against major competition. So I'd say if you're looking for, you know, an upset team on those low lines, uh, I'd say one team to maybe look at is the Wright State Raiders. Uh, Little Rock might be a threat. Uh, a team like Bowling Green from a MAC conference that's looked very uh, competitive. And, well, they're uh, going to have to get past East probably. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I would think, and I, again, we don't have a seating yet. We're just we're just guessing here. But wouldn't they play Duke, Bowling Green, in the first uh, round? Play Kentucky, but then uh, Kentucky is uh, a mixed bag. And I'd say Kentucky probably is not going to be a three seed by the time we get through the conference tournaments. I'd say they probably are more likely going to be on the two line. Are you in a number nine seed? I'm not so sure IU's even going to get in. Uh, I, I really, and like I said on that, I think if you're say, putting them in, it's you're slapping Jim Beheim and Syracuse in the face from a few years ago because they have, they did not get in the term of essentially the same resume than Indiana has. So if Indiana does get in at large, I would have a major problem with them getting into this field because especially considering Syracuse had a carbon copy resume of what Indiana has, and they did not get in a few years ago. I'd say that's a real slap in the face uh, for them if a team like Indiana gets an at-large bid for this tournament. Well, the the loss to Purdue didn't help things at all, and they've kind of had a sloppy season. I don't know what's going on with IU. I was talking a little bit about this with Mo earlier. The problem with IU is they have no wins away from Assembly Hall. That's the same problem Purdue has. They have no major wins outside of Mackey Arena either. So I, I, I'm sorry, but I just see a quality win outside of home court. And I think that means something. If you can't win away from your home court, you're not that good of a team because you don't have any home games in the NCAA tournament. So in the first round, uh, keeping with the home card, I got Butler playing out there in Tampa against Utah State in the first round. Uh, I think that's a good matchup, but but Butler, it, pardon me. A very scary game for Butler, if especially Utah State is one of those teams that's got a lot of wins and can shoot the lights out. Butler has been backing their way into this tournament. They have looked horrendous the last few weeks. If they come out flat, a team like a Utah State or even an East Tennessee State or a Liberty or a Stephen F. Austin, if they get that high, I would not be surprised if Butler gets knocked out by one of those teams. Do we got bear hugs throughout the entire month of March all the way to the Final Four? Well, right With now, Baylor. I'd say right – no, I, I don't think it's Baylor. I think Kansas is the heavy favorite right now. They convincingly beat Baylor at Waco. I think they're going to convincingly beat them again in the Big 12 tournament. I'd say at this point, uh, it's Kansas's tournament to lose, and I'd say if one team could possibly stop them, 
a big if. Uh, I would say maybe Maryland, but beyond that, uh, I'd say Kansas is the heavy favorite right now. The team that's that, that's, that's kind of just been making inching away, been flying underneath the radar over the last couple of years, starting to make some waves. In my first round, I got him playing Louisville, and that's Vermont. I think Vermont can beat Louisville in the first round. Well, Vermont's had their moments for sure, and like we say, Louisville is trending downward right now. Uh, but, again, you look at that 13 line, there's a lot of dangerous teams there. Even a team like a North Texas, New Mexico State, a Stephen F. Austin, even a team like a Yale is capable of possibly pulling off an upset, or even a Liberty, as I mentioned earlier. I mean, there are some dangerous teams in northern Iowa. Remember what they did a few years ago, excuse me, when they had Ali Parokmanesh and knocked out number one C Kansas a few years ago. So there are several teams on this list that have a history of pulling off upsets. And I would say if you are filling out a bracket, tread cautiously with some of these 4-12, matchups or 4-13 matchups because the top seed is not an overwhelming favorite in a lot of these matchups, even though they are taking on mid-majors. Matthew Ambry, we appreciate you joining us and, and wearing uh, dual and triple hats uh, for us today. Matthew, where can people find your work at Masterpieces, sir? M-A-T-T-E-M-B-U-R-Y on Twitter. And for Notre Dame fans, although I'd say right now your chances of making the NCAA tournament are probably gone for men's basketball, and they may be gone for hockey if they don't be Michigan State uh, this afternoon. That game will be on our sister station, Z94-3, at 6 o'clock. And, of course, Notre Dame basketball at Wake Forest. Our pregame coverage with Jack Nolan, Zach Hillisland gets underway at 3.40 on 96.1 WSBT. And if you are outside the area, you can catch the game free of charge at und.com. Matthew, we appreciate you joining us. Make sure you have yourself a good weekend. We'll catch up with you soon. Anytime, Tom, and we'll talk to you uh, next week. It's hard to believe. Yes, Two sir. more weeks. Two more weeks, sir. Two more weeks. All right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon. Matthew Embry, WSBT up at South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor, joins us uh, breaking down some uh, funny season uh, in IndyCar and, of course, in NASCAR. And we begin, we're beginning our conversation across the board uh, in the NCAA March Madness. Up next, Ed Kratz. We'll be joining us. He's been, he's been, he spent the week here in Indianapolis. Unfortunately, I was unable to connect with him. Uh, but um, he was here uh, with at the Combine. We're going to get our official uh, NFL Combine breakdown next right here on the Balance Radio Network. Making it to second base for saying you went all the way Monday afternoon at practice. Sister's got a boyfriend. Daddy doesn't lie. Now he's sitting out. 30 in his lap in the blue bug diaper life. We were Jesus to save me, blue jean baby, born in the USA. Trailer park truck stop, fade a little map, dodge New York to LA. We were teenage dreaming, frosty leaning, baby, come give me a kiss. Put me on the cover of the Rolling Stone Uptown, down home, American kids. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities, 
The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barber shark quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mates. Ow, they're my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. You know, back then I was a little baby. Sweet and greasy. Gotta love bread. I know. You know, there's sandwich bread over there oh, next yeah. to the coffee. I bread in the bathtub. Okay, that's gross to me. There's a lot I've been feeling lately. Uh, why is there a hearse at my house? Night screams. The new fun of the kids. Billet, Billet, my Billet, Billet, where are you? One hour in the books. Uh, thanks, Mo, for the BS Sports Show, who normally ends the show, but started the show with us today because it's it's leap day, and so and and actually, I found this out on the air earlier. You probably heard if you were listening. Mo actually got married yesterday. I told him we could have waited till today. He could have forgotten his anniversary three years out of four years. Uh, but anyway, joining us on this crazy league day uh, is uh, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com, and our official NFL contributor, been here in town in Indianapolis all week. And I'm sorry we weren't able to connect. I, I deeply regret that. I will make it up to you, Ed. But welcome aboard uh, for some uh, NFL Combine recap. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Tom. Uh, it was nice to visit Indianapolis, even though I don't think I saw the sun uh, during the days I was there. But uh, we we <clears> have a, had some snow. We, yeah, we have a very uh, weird place here in India. We always say in Indiana, if you don't like the weather, stick around. It's going to change real quickly. And you saw that happen from rain to snow. 
We got sunshine today, but it's cold. But tomorrow it's going to be in the 60s. Okay, so okay. Okay. You, you pretty much get all four seasons all in a in a, in a month here in, in Indiana. So I'm going to just kind of let you just kind of recap. I we posted a lot of stuff. I tried to post as much stuff as I saw come across. You did a great job of covering the NFL combine. We'll get into a lot of the more specific stuff, but just go ahead and give us a, an overview, a high level overview, uh, recap of the week, what you saw, what were the highs, the lows, uh, just kind of walk us through the week at the NFL combine. Well, um, let's see. I mean, I, I think it has to start with the receiver class. Um, you know, this is a fantastic class for wide receivers. And I know, you know, I know the Colts could use it, certainly use a wide receiver. And there's a lot of uh, different mock drafts that show the Colts taking anywhere from a quarterback to a, to a receiver <clears throat> to, you know, even a, even a defensive player. So <clears throat> this is the class to grab a wide receiver in. There's no doubt about it. And that was the most exciting day for me was Tuesday when they, <clears throat> they paraded all these wide receivers out into, uh, you know, the Indiana Convention Center is where they did a lot of the uh, testing and the interviewing, <clears throat> then it switched over to the, uh, you know, to the primetime drills, which are still going on. I think tonight is the linebackers. This afternoon, uh, Saturday afternoon, will be the defensive uh, linemen. <clears throat> so it switches over to Lucas Oil Stadium for, for those drills. But, you know, until, you know, you hear about how great this receiver class is and <clears throat> what kind of struck me Tuesday was the fact, you know, that, yeah, I mean, when you see some of these names that they just kept, kept bringing out, and they bring out 16 players, uh, in half-hour increments each time. So you have eight podiums and then eight tables uh, where you can ask any question you want uh, of one of those players, and they're usually out there for about 20 minutes. And, um, you know, you start rattling off the names and start coming out. You know, Jerry Judy and <clears throat> Henry Ruggs and <clears throat> C.D. Lamb. I mean, they're the three top ones. And <clears throat> there's so many others, Justin Jefferson. But they start coming out and wave after wave of them, and then you realize, yeah, you know what, this – this is a very special class with all these big names. So that's kind of the high for me was just kind of being among that uh, wide receiver group and uh, just seeing the talent firsthand. It's one thing to hear about it. It's another thing to see it, but see it. And then, you know, I don't know how many, I don't think there were too many lows um, as far as covering. I mean, you know, it's pretty exciting to be there, to be honest with you. I enjoyed doing it. Uh, you know, I really like being around the offensive line group too. <clears throat> you know, I like seeing those big guys and, you know, it's really amazing how how well-spoken these guys are. I know they train and they prep for this, uh, for these interviews and uh, for all the questions and whatnot. And, um, <clears throat> I spent some time talking to this Prince Tega Wanagohu. Uh, I'm not sure I'm saying that correctly, but he's a big left tackle from Auburn. Mm -hmm. He can play right tackle also. He's about 6'7", 305, and <clears throat> he's an actual prince. I mean, he came over from Nigeria. Oh, really? Um, he's a real grandfather. prince? Yeah, He's an honestly good, honestly God Nigerian prince. His father was, or his grandfather uh, was the uh, king of a village. And he said, it's funny, every time I tell that story, people think of coming to America. I remember that. I, that's exactly where my mind was going, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he says, because everybody thinks it's this coming to America story and they have all these jewels and riches back home. He goes, but really, it's not like that at all. And it's a very small village that his grandfather was the king of. And he said it's probably the equivalent to being a mayor of a city here in the United States. But, you know, he came over. He thought he was going to be the next LeBron James. Uh, he, was, he came over for basketball. That's how he was uh, kind of spotted. He was a, about a seven-hour drive from his village in Nigeria uh, going to a basketball camp. And there were a couple scouts there. They took his contact info. And he was about 6'5", 240 at the time. And 
they took some tape and an interested uh, coach at a prep school down in Alabama reached out to him and they brought him over. He came to America without his family or anybody to stay at a, you know, it happened in 2014. So he was probably about 14 years old, um, maybe 15 years old. And that's pretty scary to do, you know, to come over by yourself from a, into a foreign land, but uh, he's acclimated well. And now he's put him in posi- himself in position where, I, you know, I think he could go on the second day of the draft, either in the second or third round. I mean, he's got that kind of ability um, and of course, he's got a high ceiling too, and not having played the game. But he's got a great frame. He's got good footwork. Uh, he's overcoming a knee injury, so he didn't participate in any of the combine drills. So you may not have seen him on television if you watched the O lineman last night on Friday night. Um, but uh, you know, he's a guy that I really enjoyed getting to know. So you know, there's so many good stories, and when you get guys that are talking to you for you know really 20 minutes or so, you can learn a lot about somebody. And that's just one story that I really enjoyed. Uh, you know, getting to know, but it was a great experience. I really enjoyed it. Uh, didn't leave the Indiana Convention Center very much. Uh, it's kind of everything's headquartered right there for the media. All the more reason. Um, so even though it was, re- <clears throat> but that I'm just going to say, all the more reason for it to never go to L.A. <laughs> all the more reason <laughs> well, for it yeah, to I, stay I, right I here in Indianapolis. I know, but you know, they moved the draft. The NFL has moved the draft, and look how much success they've had with that. But. You know, as far as the fan experience for the Combine, they don't really give the fans a whole lot. I don't think they let fans into Lucas Oil until, uh, you know, maybe last night might have been the first. Yeah, it might have been the first time. But there's a lot of fans that do collect kind of uh, behind the ropes that they set up, you know, uh, inside the convention center as they can watch the players filter in and out, and they stand there looking for things to get autographed. But as far as actually letting anybody in to watch this stuff, it really doesn't happen. Um, so I, I don't really see the value and why they'd want to move it anywhere. I mean, it, it's a mm-hmm. great place to have it. It's a huge facility. Um, you know, I know that, you know, Indianapolis had the Super Bowl there years ago. And um, I just think the way everything's set up there in India, it's just perfect to have the combine there. And like I said, if there's no fan experience really to be gained from this, then, then why bother moving it? With the draft, of course, you know, it's very fan friendly. You can come and watch all the rounds and, uh, it's exciting for other fans in NFL cities to see that. But unless you're going to involve the fans, and I don't see any reason to move it out of Indianapolis. And, you know, that's exactly what we were talking about earlier with Mo. I know the NFL is trying to monetize this, and it's, 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 it's a way maybe for them to make some extra revenue. But at the end of the day, this is a, this is a business part of, of the business. It's job interviews, it's psychological interviews, it's medical stuff. It's, it's let's interview who we want. And again, there's a reason there's not much fan involvement. So I just think the NFL, they, they saw the success with, with uh, the draft day, which is great because that makes more sense. Uh, But they, I think maybe they think the next logical progression in monetizing our brand is let's, let's do the same thing with the combine because these, these people are Jones in for football. Uh, Football really never has a true, uh, off season, so yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think not just because of the economic. I live here in Indianapolis, but not just because of the economic impact that the combine has on the city, but just because it's just a great place. Like you said, all in one spot, everything is there. There's not a lot to interact with with, with the fans per se. So you know, it's just it's a great spot to do that. We could get in on that conversation all day long. But I know, and yeah. I hear your confidence, so I appreciate you sticking with us. You don't have the coronavirus or anything, do you? 
No, you know what? I was actually, I was just actually watching. <laughs> You're not at quarantine, are you? Uh, no, 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 no. It's I, called I us live from quarantine. <laughs> no, that's funny. No, I was watching a comedian on Facebook. I, I was watching a comedian on Facebook with my wife, and it was hysterical. This a comedian named Jeffrey Allen. I don't know if you've ever seen or heard of him. I think he's from Ohio, but he's just. Mm-hmm. That's how I was doing a lot of laughing uh, before I came on the air. So now I have, you know, I have, I have to keep clearing my throat after I laugh so hard. <laughs> Um, no, you know, so that's, it's not the core. It's not the coronavirus time. I'm fine. Believe me. Trust me. <laughs> Good. I was fine. Doing what place, you did, but, you know, but caught yeah. the coronavirus at the NFL combine. Indiana makes <laughs> national news again. <laughs> Blame it on Trump. Damn it. It's his fault. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay. So let's get, let's get no, back. Into the, let's get back into the combine here. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com. Great job, by the way, there you get a little camera time with the SI boys. Well, you know, it is uh, you know, who I work for, so it's not like I have a whole yeah, lot of choice. Right, I can't well say no. Anyway, right? like, hey, you, yeah, yeah, right. So, like, hey, you want to? We got to shoot a stand-up. Why don't you meet back here at twelve thirty? We'll we'll talk about some stuff. I'm like, okay, fine. You know, whatever you need. So, all right. Uh, so yeah, the Eagles, was, you know, it was like this. Yeah, it was fun. So the Eagles, the Eagles saw your on-camera stuff, and they say, Ed, we want you in the war room. What are you going to bring to the war room from the combine? <laughs> <laughs> well, I probably bring a lot of snacks because I tend to get hungry uh, during the draft. I tend to get hungry just in general, but I probably bring a lot of snacks. Uh, sure. Yeah, I'd bring probably you know my notes that I took uh, while while I was talking to these players, and you know I really don't know what I could bring, but I have kind of you know talking to people, I do have kind of a, a decent idea uh, which direction the Eagles might go here, but. Um, I would never get invited to the war room. I'd love to sit in the war room to just observe that be great? how that whole thing plays out. But it would be fantastic. I think, you know, I, I think if there was a way to make it happen for one lucky fan in each, you know, each team, that would be really a cool thing to for a fan to like a lot lottery um, sort of thing, or yeah, like a yeah, like right, a fundraiser like a sort of thing. Holder. Right. Okay. Exactly. Um, so you don't you don't yeah. go to the war room. Talk with us though a little bit about how the Eagles are preparing for the draft after the combine. Well, you know, we talked, uh, and that's another great thing about the combine is, you know, the, of course, you know, it's about the players and whatnot, but they also bring all the coaches and general managers in, uh, and, and they're available to meet with whoever, you know, you can just wander into, you know, Frank Reich's press conference and ask him questions or Andy Reid, whoever. So the Eagles, of course, they had Doug Peterson and Howie Roseman there. And, uh, you know, Howie was asked if he thinks that this is a historic draft class, which, you know, that's the buzz. Everybody says so, but. Howie's like, I'm not ready to say that yet. Let's see how this week plays out. <clears throat> Let's see how our investigations of the players goes as the combine ends and we start to head toward free agency. Um, he said, I'm not ready to say that yet. He goes, I still have to wait and see how it plays out. So um, that said, the Eagles need a receiver. There's so many teams, Tom, in this draft that need wide receivers. And, um, <clears throat> you know, there's tons of them to be had. And, so you, you ask yourself, okay, could a team such as the Eagles or the Colts or even the Buffalo Bills who pick right behind the Eagles, and uh, I think we're going to try to trade up ahead of the Eagles to get a receiver. But the question is, is do you wait until the second round to get a receiver and, and go for a position that maybe, you know, you have a high value on, say, a cornerback? Uh, it's a good class for cornerbacks. It's a very good class for offensive uh, tackles and centers. So any team that needs one of those, do you go for one of those early in the first round or whenever you pick in the first round, and then you come back in the second round where there will still be plenty of good receivers, probably even into the third round, do you wait 
and take a guy that, okay, maybe he's not one of the top 10 receivers, but hey, he's, you know, 11 to 20, and that could be good enough if we develop the guy right. So that's the question I think teams have to ask is do I grab a receiver early, one that I have high, highly rated? Or do I have another player at another position that I might need? Uh, do I grab him in the first round and then wait until the second to uh, pick that receiver? Um, so, you know, as far as the Eagles go, I think they want a receiver. I think they want to try to move up to get a receiver. Uh, one of those big three, like I mentioned, uh, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, or C.D. Lamb. Um, and I think a lot of teams are thinking that is, you know, are, are these guys the, the cream of the crop and how high up do we want to go to try to land one of those guys? Ed, I, I know you're very familiar with our head coach. We love him, Frank Reich, here in Indianapolis. Did you get a chance to talk with him or interact with him? Did, did you get any sense of what, through his press conference or, or Ballard's press conference, on what they're going to do? I know a lot of uh, people were liking this Jordan Love kid. It doesn't look like he had a good showing in the combine, but that's not the end-all say-all. This is just step one. Uh, but did you get a sense from uh, Frank Reich or Ballard on where they're going to go and, and, and the decision in their first round with the draft. Obviously, we've got this big quarterback situation to resolve. There's, there's, there's the Rivers rumors. There's the Brady rumor. There's the Jordan Love rumor. Did you get a sense of anything from what the Colts are going to do? Uh, you know, I, I did not get in on Frank Reich. It was kind of an oddball time. He spoke later in mm-hmm. the day. I think it was okay. around 345. And um, by then I was quite busy. But I, ha- I did talk to some, uh, some others about – a lot of teams. And I, and I think the Colts, um, you know, if they really fall in love with a quarterback, like even a Jacob Eason, um, you know, he's got all the tools. You wonder about his head, but um, if they really fall in love with a quarterback, they could go quarterback with, uh, with their first round pick. But uh, to me, I, I don't think they'd go that way. I think they're going to get a quarterback in free agency um, is, is what I believe. And, um, you know, you mentioned rivers and I, I wouldn't discount like a Marcus Mariota either. Um, but I, I think they're going to get a quarterback. I think they'll probably open the competition with Jacoby Brissett, see who wins that. Um, and I think they could get a quarterback maybe later, maybe like a Jake Fromm in the second round. Uh, Jordan Love, there was a lot of buzz. Even though he didn't have that great of a combine, there's a lot of buzz that he's kind of moving up the draft board. And, um, you know, that'll be interesting to see just how high he goes. But um, I don't think the Colts, unless they want to trade up, will be in play for, you know, the big names like Tua Tagliavoa, who, of course, you have the injury concerns with him, mm-hmm. but guys like Jake Herbert, who I think Jake Herbert, uh, I think he could be the best quarterback uh, in this class. I know everybody thinks Joe Burrow, and, you know, I feel bad for Burrow. He's going to go to a team in the Bengals probably that just isn't equipped to protect the quarterback or um, keep him healthy. Well, he may so not. He you know, we struggle, but I – he may, we, yeah. he, he may not because he's got this hand issue now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that was a pretty funny little situation. He's got the white boy week. issues we've been joking about all week. He's got the white boy issue. <laughs> but, but Patrick Mahomes has small hands too, and Mahomes came to his defense and said, hey, my small hands have worked out just fine for me. So Just fine, um, absolutely. You know, Go ahead. Yeah, I was I was just going to say, um, you know, but I think, you know, Justin Herbert could be the best best player or best quarterback, I should say, in this draft. But I don't think the Colts are going to be able to trade up that far to get, uh, you know, one of these guys. So uh, I think the Indianapolis Colts will probably just um, go with a receiver uh, or a need on defense, you know, which they have, you know, some holes there on the defense. Very good defense. 
but I think they're going to sign a quarterback in free agency and maybe take one later in the draft and uh, go with whoever their highest player ranked is at, at the spot they pick number one in the first round. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and Ballard doesn't uh, typically have a history of, of trading up anyway. So I think we're just going to stay right where we're at and see who's available when, when we – when we uh, when we do the the draft, how important we, we we joke about the hand size, we joke about the vertical size. You know, you look at uh, Zion with the NBA; he had a forty five degree uh, uh, ver- vertical. Uh, that would make him a hell of a tight end, if you will, in the NFL. But how important? How much weight is put on how fast they run the forty yard dash, or what their vertical is, or what their hand size is, or what their their intellect is? Uh, how big of an impact does all of that come together in, in a decision to draft a player? Well, I, you know, I think it depends on the team and who, you know, the, the person who's running that organization, I think it depends on how they feel about it. Uh, you know, I think back, I don't even know what year it was, but when Mike Mamola uh, from Boston college was kind of a, a, a freak at the combine, putting up all sorts of great numbers and the Eagles drafted him with their first pick. And you know, he was okay, but he never lived up to that first round billing, but, you know, he was, he was a monster at the combine and they put a lot of stock in those numbers. And, you know, I, as the week went on and I've been thinking about this is what is the value of the combine now? Because you have so many analytics, you know, so many people are doing the analytics now and um, you know, there's so much game tape obviously out there is, I mean, what, what value is it to know what a player runs in the 40, especially alignment? I mean, it's fun to watch them run and see what their times are. But, uh, you know, what, what's the value? What, what do teams put on that? And I'm, I'm not sure that it's as much maybe as it was in the past. Um, but, again, I think it's dependent on how each organization feels about it. I think it kind of gives you, you know, kind of a, another tool in, the, you know, deciding on what you think about a player. But I don't think it's the be-all, end-all, nor should it be. But, uh, you know, me, I'm more of a tape guy. I like to see what a player does, you know, with pads on, you know, when, when someone's trying to stop that player from doing what he wants to do. Uh, that's kind of my number one tool. And then this, this stuff with the, you know, the three cone drill and the 40 yard dash and the bench press and, the, you know, the vertical jump, I, you know, to me, that's kind of down the list. I, I think the combine is more valuable for the interviews with the players uh, and the teams that could be interested in drafting him. I think it's a good way to look at the medicals, you know, to evaluate the medicals, but as far as the, the actual drills, um, I don't think it holds as much weight as it used to. And it's interesting, Tom, because I've heard that the bench or the, um, uh, yeah, the bench press is going to go away next year. Um, I don't know if you heard that, but I think they're going to do away with the bench press and they're going to have a, a kind of a big medicine ball with some, some a chip in it that determines how fast they can throw uh, this ball and what, what the acceleration rate is and all that stuff. So they may start to begin to look at drills that are more analytics friendly um, rather than just kind of these old-fashioned skill sets that they used to look players like the bench press. I mean, what, what value is that? Uh, you know, a kid's strong or he's not, and you can tell that by his, his game tape. So I think you might see some of these drills start changing uh, with analytics in mind to make them a little bit more relevant. Yeah, it's amazing how, how much that, that's come into play. You know, I, I'm wondering, did you get a chance to go down there and, and squat with the best of them? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big squatter. I've never really squatted much, but I'm a, I love oh, the bench okay. press. I think if you put me against the Philadelphia media, I'd, I'd probably win that bench press. A lot of them were saying they probably couldn't even budge uh, 225, but, you know, I, I certainly could do it. I would love to go out there and show my bench press. But, see, I think the bench press is made for guys like me, the shorter uh, guys with shorter arms that don't have as far to push that bar up. So, 
Uh, yeah. You know, when you see some of these bench press numbers with big offensive linemen, and you're like, how can he only do 18 reps at 225? You know, this guy's like 6'6", 310 pounds, but he can only do 18 reps. But a lot of that is because of the arm length. You know, guys that have to push that bar further are at a disadvantage as opposed to, you know, guys like centers, you know, shorter squatter guys. Uh, and I put myself in that in that group. You know, I can bench a pretty high number just because I can push that bar up uh, a shorter distance. I have shorter arms. So, um, yeah, I, I would have loved to hop on that bench press. <laughs> I, I, if you would got a chance to do that, I would have hoped that you would have taped it. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles, the SI.com, our official NFL contributor. Ed, I know you got a hard stop here, so – any final words of wisdom or, or parting uh, thoughts that you may have, sir? Uh, no, I just enjoy it. I'm sorry I missed you out there in Indy. I know you had yeah, me too. With, uh, that was a bummer. Your vehicle, and um, but yeah. uh, it won't be the last time. And uh, you know, I was thinking that was my. I think that was my third trip into uh, into the Lucas Oil Stadium, and it's been for different things each time. I was there for a Monday night game when the Eagles played mm-hmm. the Colts. I was there for the. Big Ten Championship when Penn State beat Wisconsin and what yep. was a great game. And then I was there for the combine this past week. So, um, you know, I enjoy coming in. It won't be my last trip into Indianapolis. I just hope the weather uh, is just, you know, a little bit nicer. I didn't see the sun. I missed not seeing the sun. It was funny when I took off, we got above the clouds and the sun was out. I'm like, what's that? What? what? Oh, it's the sun. Well, you hadn't seen that in a while. So I tell you what, it, if it you come back for the – if you come back for the Indianapolis 500, you will have plenty of sun. <laughs> yeah, right. End of May. Yeah. Oh. Um, well, I'll have to see what I can do about that, I guess. All right, Ed, we, we appreciate you joining us. So you have yourself a good weekend, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you as we get closer to draft day. You got it. My pleasure. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> yeah. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagle, joins us and uh, talks uh, with us about the NFL Combine and just kind of gives us a, a recap of what happened here in Indianapolis this week. And uh, we, we joke about the weather, but it's true. It was raining. It was snowing. Cold. It's sunny. Tomorrow it's going to be in the 60s. That's what they say in Indiana. If you don't like the weather, stick around. It'll change. We'll be right back for our final segment with Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast, breaking down some more March Madness and some more NASCAR right here on the Balance Radio Network. Insurance. 
morning face you get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're one my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. All right, welcome back to the ballots. Rolling right into the fourth quarter on Leap Day. And uh, appreciate Matthew Embry, WSVT up at South Bend, uh, joining us. Mo for the BS Sports Show joined us as well. And we just finished up with Ed Kraft, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com. And spent the week here in Indianapolis uh, and uh, gave us a recap on the NFL Combine. But joining us now is the man of the hour, uh, Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. Happy League Day to you, sir. Does anything we do today count because it's leap day? Do we know? Do we like? I, I, I don't think so. Or is it just like a day to do whatever? <laughs> so I think it's a day to do. You know, I was talking to Mo earlier. I did not know this, but he was he was saying that he got married yesterday. I was like, well, I would have had you call in today if I known you had gotten married yesterday. And so we we come to the conclusion that he could forget his anniversary every three years for for three years for the next three years if he had gotten married today. I mean. <laughs> Well, it's like, you know, if you were born born today, born today. you celebrate March 1st, or do you celebrate the day before? Like, how does that work? Do you, do you not age? Do you only age every three years? <laughs> so many questions, yeah. so many deep questions. Well, let's get into some of the questions that really do matter. And, and uh, I know you're going to talk some NASCAR, some uh, uh, March Madness. We'll get into March Madness here in a moment, but let's get into NASCAR. We'll roll out to Fontana, California. Uh, and uh, this is Jimmy Johnson's farewell tour, his home track. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the life, the legacy, the career of Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, um, I think there's still a lot of racing left in his future, even after uh, he retires this year from NASCAR. But um, he's done everything. You know, he really took advantage of the chase format. Um, He really took advantage of the opportunity that Rick Hendrick and Jeff Gordon gave him. Because you remember, I mean, this was was Jeff Gordon's protege. You know, this was, Mm -hmm. we're going to bring this guy in. And the amazing thing about Jimmy Johnson is he really didn't do anything in the Xfinity series at the time. It was the Bush series to impress you to say, and he really deserves to have this new ride. But at the end of the day, um, he took advantage of it. Um, anywhere you go, it's, you know, when you think of Lowe's, you think of Jimmy Johnson, even though they're not a partner anymore. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just an incredible year uh, that he's going to have a farewell tour. Um, he deserves that. And I think there's a lot of drivers in place right now, Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, um, some of the young guns that are going to be able to step up. Christopher Bell is going to be one of those. Um, that will be able to win races and, and, and fill the shoes of what Jimmy Johnson and Tony Stewart and Carl Edwards, Jeff Gordon, Matt Kenseth, you know, some of those guys that were champions in the 2000s that have now retired uh, are going to leave behind. I know you're the betting guy in the group here, so just kind of go through some uh, odds that they've got for some drivers. You tell me you agree, disagree, or what maybe you want to go with. But they got Denny Hamlin at a 14 to one long shot in the in the latest NASCAR odds of winning the uh, Fontana race this weekend. 
Yeah, the thing with Denny is, is you know, these cookie cutter, you know, two two mile tracks, two and a half mile tracks, like we see at California, um, it, it, it can get so spread out. Uh, Logano's been dominant here. Kyle Busch has been really good here. A Denny at a fourteen to one, um, I would probably go ahead and stay away from that. Um, you know, he's got his big win uh, with Daytona five hundred. Uh, I'm going to stay away from Denny Hamlin this weekend. The if you want to go with a, a favorite, if you will, uh, or a Las Vegas favorite, if you will, uh, the the four four to one comes up on a short title of Kevin Harvick, uh, the forty nine time winner in the NASCAR Cup Series, won the the two thousand eleven Auto Club uh, four hundred. Yeah, Kevin Harvick is never a guy you want to count out. Um, he is always good at any track. Uh, we obviously saw him win the Brickyard last year. He hasn't been uh, that impressed. Like you said, he hasn't won at Fontana since 2011. Four to one is just not really um, an odd that I want to lay a lot of money on. So uh, I'm going to stay away from Kevin Harvick this weekend as well. So they got Jimmy Johnson, 22 to 22 to one odds uh, with with Fontana. Obviously, not his last race in a race car, but his his, his he's on his farewell tour. Is that is that a fair placement for, of him? Yeah, um, he hasn't been able to prove that he can win races over the last couple of years. He hasn't been, you know, he had a, I think he had a runner-up finish once last year, but he hasn't consistently been a factor to win races over the last probably year and a half. Um, 22 to 1, look, I think he is going to get a win at some point this year. I just think it's going to happen. Um, I don't know why I think that, but I think he just goes out with a win at some point. I don't think it's this weekend. Um, but, you know, a good Jimmy Johnson prop would be if you could if you could bet, you know, will he finish in the top five, will he finish in the top three? That would be something I'd be more willing to put my money on. So we'll round out this up. We'll get into some NCAA talk. Uh, we've got Chase Elliott at eight to one, Kyle Larson uh, ten to one, and uh, Joey Logano eleven to two. Yeah, Logano obviously the favorite wins last week in Vegas has been so good at Auto Club Speedway uh, lately. Kyle Larson is very intriguing at ten to one. Um, he's won an Xfinity race at California. He's won twice uh, at Michigan, three, t- three times in Michigan, I do believe, career, which is a very similar sister track. He's really good at these at California and Michigan. Like I said, those those are two sister tracks because he runs that high line. He'll be the first driver to go up top and run that high line. Watch out for Kyle Larson. I like him at ten to one. It's definitely worth a few bucks to put on if you're going to be watching tomorrow's race. The thing about Fontana, real quickly, is it's it's a it's a it's a track of different climates, kind of a mountain climate, kind of a desert climate. So today, for example, when they qualify, much hotter temperatures than when they run the race tomorrow, and they're going to see that happen throughout the race tomorrow. And it's certainly a wide track, a fast track. So you're going to see these restarts at four uh, four wide, and it's it's balls to the wall, if you will. Tires are going to be – they're going to have issues with tires. They're going to have may, mayhem. Uh, this track is a, kind of a complex track to uh, – we're, we're going to see a lot of cautions. I'll, I'll, I'll put it that way. Would you agree? You know, it gets spread out, and, and, and what will help is the Xfinity race today to kind of put down some grip because, like you said, it's a very wide track. So you can see two, three, four, and you'll even see five wide at times, especially on restarts. Um, Daryl Waltrip said it best, you know, cautions breed caution. When you group, when you bunch these guys up, they've got a chance to be able to pounce on a restart and try to make up some positions. Uh, that's when chaos kind of starts to happen, like you said. So um, I expect them to fan out three, four, five wide 
uh, will be interesting to see um, if these drivers can make it through the corner, especially late in this race, especially late in the stages where stage points are now so important. Tony, let's get into some March Madness talk. It's that time of the year, and and uh, let's just kind of walk around. We don't know the seating yet, so I've just kind of been doodling the past week or so, making some notes of what I think. Doesn't mean that this is what's happening because we don't know the seating yet. So I'm just kind of going off of a off of a a thought, if you will. We'll start. I call it the Indianapolis bracket. I know there's a couple other towns got to go through Omaha, Cleveland, Albany, whatever. We'll just call it the Indianapolis bracket. Just, just for purposes of identification uh, as they get ready for the final four. Uh, I, I don't think there's any question that Kansas is going to be the number one seed. Who gets into that 16 seed? Maybe we'll, and I'll talk about this in a minute. I have the six, I have a number one getting knocked out in the first round, but it's not Kansas. But I certainly think that Prairie View uh, would be the team to 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 go in there. We, there are a lot of variables there, but if we make an early guess, Kansas Prairie View. Obviously, Kansas is going to be a strong number one throughout the tournament. Yeah, I don't. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people will look at and say there's been a lot of chaos uh, throughout the NCAA basketball season so far. There's been a lot of teams, a lot of upsets. Um, I don't think a number one seed is going to go down this year. I think Baylor and Kansas are clear cut, but the top two teams in the country, they'll, be the, they'll both be number one seeds. Um, Kansas will be out of the Midwest. Baylor will probably be moved to the West. Uh, then it's kind of a crapshoot from there. There's, you know, San Diego State's right there, obviously. Um, Dayton is right there. Gonzaga is right there for a number one seed. Um, the top two teams, I think, have separated themselves in Baylor and Kansas. Um, but we'll see. I mean, there's some really good two and three seeds that can make it to the Final Four. We saw Auburn last year make a run to the Final Four. We saw Texas Tech. There's always that one team that's like a four-seed or lower that makes it through to the Final Four. Uh, and we'll have to see when the brackets come out. I mean, it's so cool that we're, what, two weeks away tomorrow from the selection Sunday, and it's going to be Yeah, uh, baby. It's going to be Two awesome. weeks. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. So I think you're right. It's going to be bear hugs all the, all, all the way through. Going back over to the Indianapolis uh, bracket, we're, we're probably going to see uh, teams like Louisville, Ohio State, Villanova all hang out in that bracket. There's a team that, I, that I'm keeping my eye on to move forward to, to make a, a big impact as far as a bracket buster, and that's Vermont. And what I think will play Louisville, again, this is just an anticipation, but if that plays out, I think Vermont has a very good chance of, of beating Louisville. I mentioned this earlier with Matthew. Uh, Vermont's a team to keep your eye on this year. Yeah, I mean they're going to be a twelve. They're going to be a thirteen or fourteen seed more than likely if they get to the tournament. Um, the Catamounts are a good team. I don't think they match up with Louisville very well. Louisville's got a great defense. They're long. They're lengthy. Um, I, I, I'm a I'm a big advocate of Louisville this year. I think they're a team that's going to advance to the Sweet Sixteen. Um, you kind of look at, at who could be playing in Indy. Um, you know, IU is going to be on the borderline right there. Um, end of the tournament, I think that they're in. They're going to end up probably playing Kansas if they win their first game. But, yeah, I mean, Indy, you're going to see, like you said, Ohio State, probably Michigan State, Kentucky, Butler, Maryland. Um, But if you're looking for a team kind of in the same realm as Vermont that could possibly have an upset and move on in the first round, uh, look at Bowling Green. Bowling Green's a very good team. They're lengthy. They don't turn the basketball over. They rebound it well. They shoot the three consistently. Uh, They're shooting 46% in conference play and MAC conference play. Uh, this year, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. But uh, Bowling Green, for me, is a team right now that's interesting. If they draw a team like Kentucky 
or Michigan State in that first round. I think that they're a team that can that can give somebody a run for their money. Oh, Dan Dockage is old, old world, but uh, <laughs> um, I I kind of think Bowling Green might end up uh, with Duke in the first round. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to be a 14 seed, so they're going to match up with either teams like Kentucky, maybe Seton Hall, depending on where they put them. Villanova is a team that you could see on that three line. Um, I think Creighton is going to be right there. I think Duke will be a two seed uh, in the tournament. Um, and I don't see Bowling Green being anything or being a 15 or a 16 team seed. The Mac's a decent mid-major level um, team. It's a decent conference at the mid-major level. I don't see the winner of the Mac being anything lower than a 14 seed. Because normally those 15, 16 seeds are, you know, are, are for those very small, you know, the SWAT conference. Um, you can look at teams like Little Rock out of, you know, like, or teams out of the SOCON conference normally get those uh, 12 or normally get those 14, 15 and 16 seeds. Uh, so teams like South Dakota state, um, Austin P uh, some of those smaller mid major schools normally are the teams that fill up the 15 and 16 lines. Real quickly, I'll get into uh, some of these other uh, teams on, on the, uh, on the first four, if you will. Uh, but um, we talked about Indiana being right there on the bubble. That, that the loss to Purdue didn't help them any, didn't help the resume any. I think they're going to end up over there in the Houston bracket, if you will, in that same bracket with Baylor. I think they'll end up with, as a number nine seed playing a number eight seed, which would be Florida. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that could definitely uh, be it. Um, you look at some of the teams that are on that 8-9 line, you've got Texas Tech, Virginia kind of battling, um, Illinois, Arizona State. They're obviously not going to put IU against Illinois. Um, Florida's right there. Saint, um, right now I have them playing St. Mary's. I have St. Mary's as an 8, IU as a 9 seed. But uh, a team like Louisville, like you said, Florida, those are all teams that you and I just mentioned that, that IU is going to have a chance to see if they take care of business. And if you look at IU, who's on the 8-9 seed area right now, um, you get Illinois tomorrow on the road. That would be a major win because Illinois is a team that's right on the frisk of making the tournament as well. You get Minnesota coming to town. That would be a big win. And then you get you get Wisconsin, who's ranked coming to town. So if IU to win, were, were to win out, which is going to be tough, I think that they would be in the NCAA tournament. If they were to go 2-1 and one over their final – if you beat Illinois or Wisconsin and then beat Minnesota, I think you're still going to be in, but you're going to have to – win a game in the Big Ten tournament when, when it comes to town next week. Uh, but, yeah, they did not look great the other night against Purdue, and uh, that's, that wasn't good for the resume. Well, we'll have to get into the, the conversation about Archie Miller, how he's not been able to beat Purdue since he's been there, and how he's going to be on the hot seat. We'll, we'll get in that to another, another show. The other homer team that we talk about is Butler's had a good season. I think they'll end up with as a number seven seed, possibly playing Utah State still in that same bracket. Yeah, Butler's a team that, you know, you, you look at, what, a month and a half ago, early January, when they played DePaul, a team that they played tonight at Hinkle Fieldhouse, they were ranked fifth in the country, and they went up to they went up to DePaul and got absolutely slapped around, got blown out of the gym. They weren't even in that game from the time it tipped off. Um, it's been a struggle in the month of February for the Dogs. I, I'm sure they wish that they were turning the calendars to March 1st today and not tomorrow, but Hinkle sold out tonight. Uh, I think the Dogs get a win. Uh, big kind of booster confidence because they need that. Um, the dogs right now at 17. They can move up. We'll see. They get St. John's at home on Wednesday. That'd be a nice win. Uh, then you got to go to at Xavier coming up next week to finish off the season. Um, and then you you see what happens in the Big East tournament. Right now, like you said, if they're in the tournament, I think they are. They will be in the tournament. They'll be the seventh seed. 
Um, and they could be playing a team like, um, you know, a, as you said, Utah State is, is a team right around those lines. Um, East Tennessee State is a very good major team. They're going to be probably a 10 seed, maybe Rhode Island, depending on what they do. Um, other teams, maybe a Houston, but I don't think Houston falls that, that low. Uh, and maybe a Florida as well. So, like you said, as of right now, that's where we're at, but there's still a lot of college basketball to be played before we fill out those brackets in two weeks. So here's my bold prediction. We've always got to have one. We've always got to have – do a bunch of different brackets, and we'll make sure that you have one with the balance here. But I, I, one of my bold – I always call my bold move brackets, where I, I kind of pick some really bold things for bracket busters. But I really think this is a good one, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call this one, and I might eat crow later on. Obviously, Gonzaga is going to be number one out on the on the other side of the bracket, which is the LA bracket. Uh, I look for South Dakota State to play them in the first round to be a very close game, possibly an overtime, possibly a buzzer beater. But South Dakota State brings down the Gonzaga Bulldogs for your first bracket buster of the year. Maybe not a Cinderella team, but certainly uh, a bracket buster there in the West. So are you one of those guys that fills out like 15 different brackets and then, and then brags when he gets one upset? That's because right. He filled out never lose, man. I am one of those guys. Um, but, but that's not South that Dakota far off. South Dakota State is a good basketball Yeah, South Dakota State's not a, not a bad basketball team. Um, I think what people fall in love with them is um, they had one of the best scores in the country last year. And it's so tough to go there and play. So they're, they always have a great record at home. Um, I'll say this. I don't think it's going to be South Dakota State that knocks off Gonzaga, but I will say if there was a flaw in Gonzaga's game, because um, I think that they're going to draw some team like probably Siena or Prairie View or possibly Radford, but if there's one, if there's something I'd watch out for, it'd be that second-round matchup against an 8-9 seed. It's going to be from a major conference. I would watch out for Gonzaga because they don't go as deep as a lot of other teams. They only play six to seven players. Um, Killian Tilly is a guy who can get it done. They score in bunches. But if you could slow them down, like Lenardi has them possibly playing Texas Tech or Virginia in that second-round matchup, if you could play – if they play Virginia, a team that slows them down and could play defense on them and makes them beat you in other ways and go deep into your bench, uh, that's where Gonzaga could be beat because Gonzaga only plays six to seven players. Okay, final word. Uh, first, first four. We got. Uh, I would say we have uh, two sixteen seeds. Uh, I mean, two sixteen uh, seed brackets, eleven and a twelve. So, sixteen seed Prairie View. I already got them. I think going in to play Kansas against uh, uh, in Cat, and then you got the twelve seed Mississippi Providence. You got the eleven seed Oklahoma Xavier, and you got the other sixteen seed is uh, Siena and Saint Francis. And I got Siena going in there as well. In Oklahoma and Providence as well. What are your thoughts in the first four? Yeah, I mean Oklahoma, USC, um, USC. You know the Pac-12 is not as bad as what we thought it was going to be. Colorado, UCLA is hot right now. They're leading the conference. Arizona, Oregon, they've got some good competition out there. I get the USC kind of getting off of that first four in by winning a couple games and winning in Vegas, um, a few games as well in the. Big 12 tournament or the, the Pac-12 tournament. Um, yeah, I mean, the 16 seeds, you can just throw them up in the air and take some of the small conference tournament winners and, you know, the awesome P's of the world and the North Carolina A&T's, you know, that's great and all. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, you, you look at USC, Oklahoma, and then, you know, if, if, if IU loses and kind of struggles here down the stretch, 
uh, we could possibly see that. Providence is a team that I think you get off the bubble with some wins in the Big East. The team that's going to be have a hard time getting off of that bubble line is North Carolina State. They're a good team, but the eighth not as good as it once was. North Carolina's down. Clemson's awful. Duke's decent. Um, Florida State's really good, but there's just not a lot of opportunities for quality wins in that league right now. I know Virginia's out on the bubble. So North Carolina State's a team I think has the toughest road to get off of that uh, first four-in line. Tony Donahue, the Tony D Podcast. Before we let you go, your pick, your choice. Uh, what is the sports book uh, bloodline lock it in for the weekend? I'm going to take Kyle Busch to win tomorrow. Um, I'm two for two so far in NASCAR races this year. Um, the Daytona 500, I understand, is a crapshoot, but Logano at, at uh, Vegas last week. Um, Fontana this week, I'm going to go ahead and say Kyle Busch gets off the snide, gets a victory. I uh, really like Bowling Green coming up today as well as Butler to have a nice bounce back win. Um, you can follow me at Tony D. Indy on Twitter. we got college basketball sports betting show coming up here in about 10 minutes we're going to do on Twitter. So just give us a follow and uh, enjoy the rest of the week and enjoy uh, your leap day. That's right. We'll see you in four years, sir. <laughs> have a good Sounds weekend. Good. All right. You too. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast said, yeah, jump over to Twitter right after this show's over. Uh, I think Melissa will get that information up on uh, social media for you. And if you are if you enjoy betting, uh, it's, it's, he, ha- he has a really good uh, Twitter cast, if you will, Twitter cast, if you will. So jump over there, and, and Melissa will get that over uh, for you as well. It's been a great show today. Thank you for joining us on this leap day. We we don't get to have we don't get to have leap day jokes that often. I mean, what every three years, every four years. But it's, we we did propose some interesting questions today. If you're if you're a um, sorry, I can't walk at you gum at the same time. I was getting a text from Steve Wilson, our official NASCAR contributor, uh, but. Uh, I thought more it's going to jump off, but that's not the case. He's sick today, so we're going to give him a hard time to say he's got coronavirus, but I think he's just got a virus. It could be the it could be a, the hangover virus. <laughs> but we did bring up some interesting questions today, things that make you ponder. If your birthday is today, when do, when when do you celebrate it? Tomorrow? Yesterday? Do you not age? If you got married today, do you only celebrate your anniversary every three? These are important questions that we have to get answered, and we'll spend the next three years trying to get the answer. I appreciate Matthew Embry, Mo from the BS Sports Show, Mo from the BS Sports Show, joining us a little bit earlier today, uh, talking, starting the show off, talking uh, some March Madness with us and some NFL Combine with us. We're getting right knee-deep into the March Madness, and it's just beginning. It's right, just beginning. And, and just make sure you let us know if you want a, a bracket. When the brackets come out in two weeks, we'll get, get them distributed to everybody that says, we will need your email address. We don't need your phone number or anything, but we do need your email address and your screen name or a name that you – I uh, want us to associate with the bracket. All you need, it's free. You can do a maximum of two and um, bragging rights. That's what you get. And I tell you what, we always have a great turnout. We usually run out of brackets. We only got so much space. So we usually run out very, very quickly on our balanced brackets. So uh, I'd encourage you to shoot us a direct message on Twitter or Facebook. Say, hey, I want one of them brackets. Do it early so that your name's already on the list. Do it late. You may or may not get 
one. It, it goes pretty quick. It goes real quick. Uh, thank you, uh, Matthew Embry, WSBT, up in South Bend, for joining us and, and breaking down his bracketology that he does every year for the Indianapolis 500. And that's coming quick. And that's what Steve Wilson just told me. He will be here for the Indianapolis 500. That is going to be great to hang out with him out at the Indianapolis uh, Motor Speedway and our team and his team hanging out. And uh, we're going to be bringing some great coverage to the Indianapolis uh, 500. Thank you to Ed Kratz, the man's SI.com beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and our official NFL contributor, uh, giving us a walkthrough of this week in the NFL combine. And, Really, you know, if we talked about this, the combine is really a business aspect, a business function of the NFL, of the, of the scouting process, of the, who we, of the draft process. There's not a lot outside of, you know, just observing. There's not a lot there for fans. So I hope that the NFL takes some time to, to just slow the roll a little bit on trying to monetize everything. Keep it here in Indianapolis. It's a great economic impact for the city. And I'm not just saying that because I live here. You heard Ed Kratz say, hey, this is a great venue. Never had to leave the convention center all week long. Everything is, is located there. So don't have to worry about traffic. Uh, I mean, you could. he was telling me offline that he, he stayed over by the airport was downtown by the combine, didn't take him more than 15 or 20 minutes in traffic. You're not going to have that in L.A. So the NFL needs to reconsider that. I'm sure that I'll be having some meetings with Roger Cadell about this, and and I'll let him know my thoughts. (laughs) Wouldn't it be that easy? I tell you what, though, Ed had a great idea. Maybe the NFL teams need to to think about this, letting some lucky fans as part, part of a contest or something be in the war room in a, in, in on draft day, you know, a silent observer, you have to obey rules, can't talk, just, you know, just observe. There's got to be rules in place. You don't be that crazy one with all kinds of jackassery going on. I think that would be cool. Tony Donahue, Tony D Podcast, joining us, helping us break down and get started. It's March Madness. Got a lot to talk about. We'll be filling out our brackets. Two weeks is Selection Sunday, and we'll have a uh, – March Madness special the Saturday before that with all of our our, our notes, spreadsheets put together. We'll spend two hours uh, talking about what we think is going to happen on Selection Sunday. Most importantly, if you're listening to us on the podcast, hit subscribe, whether it's Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, hit subscribe. Also, give us four stars, four smiley faces, or whatever their rating system is. Uh, that just helps us know how awesome we already know that we are. No, I'm just kidding. We, we appreciate you guys and all that you, you do as our, our fan base. Make sure you're also following us on Twitter, at T-Balance, and on Facebook. Just search the balance. Look for the scales of justice of microphones, if you will. <laughs> That's our logo. Hit follow. We, we try to update on Facebook quite regularly and Twitter quite regular, regularly, regularly at all. Uh, that sounds like that uh, Liberty commercial. Forget it, we'll dub it. <laughs> 917-889-8516 was our digits. I'm going to write that down because the digits doesn't change at all. Uh, so 
Write that down. Let's go to I got a call quits call today. I'm out of here. Deuces. Don't drink and drive. It is cool. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, on Facebook. It also make sure that you're listening to our podcast, downloading the podcast, hitting subscribe, and rating us. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.